Well, I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, what, a, what an amazing day Good Friday is. Uh, as I think about Good Friday, it certainly is the best worst day. I mean, it is, it is just amazing uh, when we think about what happened to Jesus on Good Friday, but it's good because of what God intended. And so I just want to just say to you, thank you so much for joining us. If you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah 53. And what we're going to do today, we're going to actually look at an Old Testament account written long before Jesus was born. And we are going to look at the description of what actually happened on Good Friday. And one of the things that I've kind of been thinking about um, is the way the, the events of the final week of Jesus's life, the way those play into Isaiah chapter 53, it is just amazing, just the pinnacle, the point of history um, that occurred on that day. And so um, as we consider just um, the, the, what was so bad about Good Friday, if you think about it, you have a holy God loving mankind and taking on flesh, living a perfect life, loving people, and the very people that he, came, that he came, not just he came to the world, but he came to his own nation, the nation of Israel. And that nation murdered him. The religious leaders actually killed the God of this universe. They killed Jesus. And uh, it's, just, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And actually, in the midst of that terrible sin, um, Jesus' death actually provided for forgiveness for the very people who killed him. On the other hand, when you think about Good Friday, it certainly is a good day. It is amazing. And one of the things that's so great, and we see this uh, looking at the fact that the Old Testament described this day before it happened. And when you consider that everything happened exactly the way God intended it to happen, and Jesus, he provided for the sins of the world. He conquered sin and he conquered death. And uh, it just is amazing. Jesus made it possible for all of us to have eternal life. And so that is just incredible. So if you have your Bibles, um, if it's on your phone, I apologize. If you're watching this on your phone, uh, you'll have to, you'll have to uh, just listen to us read it. But um, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah chapter 53. And let's just consider a few thoughts about Jesus. So Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. You know, when you think about the life of Jesus, Jesus was born into a poor family, and um, there was nothing spectacular about the, the, the person of Jesus in the sense of his earthly station. I mean, obviously, he was the God of the universe who was clothed in humanity, but he, he was not born into a king's family. He wasn't born rich and famous. Um, people didn't look at Jesus and, and just think he was this amazing person just by outward appearance. Um, every, everything that got people's attention about Jesus and in his ministry and actually even in, um, in the first day of Passion Week on Palm Sunday, there are massive crowds following Jesus. But it's not because of his earthly station. It's because who he was 
It's because of the miracles that he did. It's because he, he was, the fact that he was the Messiah was revealed in his miracles, in his teaching, and in his character. So that's one of the things that we see. And on, on Palm Sunday, everybody recognizes that, but it's not because of his external appearance. Um, so as you think through the, the occurrence of the, the final week of Jesus' life, you have Palm Sunday where he comes into town and there are crowds that are, that are following him. On Monday, Jesus enters the temple and because of his divine authority, it, it says in Luke chapter, um, chapter 19, verse 45, um, it says this, and he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And so Jesus, expressing his divine authority, clears the temple. And one of the things that we, that we see, and it's, it's amazing as you look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, um, Jesus was hated by the religious leaders. And because of his fame, they, they wanted to kill him, but they couldn't because he was so popular in this week. And the crowds are following him. This is what it says in verse 3. It says, he was despised. Uh, certainly the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they despised him. They hated him. And he was rejected by men. Um, these crowds that were following Jesus on Palm Sunday were cheering and chanting, crucify him by Friday. It says here that he was despised, he was rejected by man, by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, when you think about the description of the life of Jesus, he experienced all the suffering that we experience. He experienced all the difficulty that we experience. When you look at Jesus' teaching uh, during that final week, um, just the interaction that he had with Pharisees, with people that were trying to trap him. You know, Jesus tells a story in this last week of his life, and um, he just shares about a, a, a vineyard owner who plants a vineyard, and he rents it out to tenants, and those tenants, when it comes time to, to pay the owner, they, they just refuse to do it. And the owner is sending servants, and as those servants go, they, they beat them, they reject them, and finally the owner says, you know what, I'm going to send my own son. And so he sends his son, and these tenants kill the son. And one of the things, as Jesus tells this story, the religious leaders knew that Jesus was talking about them. And it really upset them, but, but Jesus actually told a story about himself. That was, that was a story about him coming. On Wednesday, uh, Judas agrees to betray the Pharisees. They, they just they hate Jesus so much they want to kill him. And they are looking for anything. And they've got to try to kill Jesus, capture him, and kill him out of sight of the crowds. And so G Judas comes up with this plan where he'll betray Jesus while he's alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. That happens on Wednesday that this agreement is made. On Thursday, Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And he actually dismisses Judas. Uh, look at verse um, Luke twenty-two twenty-one. It says, Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes, as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. 
this is determined by, G, by God himself and by Jesus that this would happen this way. Jesus dismisses Judas and he celebrates the first Lord's Supper with his disciples. And um, we, we often are very hard on the disciples because um, they, they seem to just be missing everything that's going on. Like they are not understanding this chain of events. And uh, John tells us in, in John 21, or John 12, 16, it says, These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered. And the Bible tells us that God hid these things from them so that they wouldn't understand them. Look at verse 4 of Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You know, Jesus, he bore our griefs, and as he thought, um, as he thought about what he was going to do in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's arrested, um, Jesus, as he goes in, he's praying about what he's about to face. He knows that he's going to bear the sins of mankind. And as he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, um, he, he is so burdened, he is so overwhelmed at the thought of what's about to happen. Nobody knows, nobody understands, but Jesus understood fully what was about to happen. It's interesting in that moment how he's thoughtful of his disciples. Uh, he tells them, pray that you won't enter temptation. And we know that Satan had asked to sift Peter like wheat and um, and so, so Satan wants to go after Peter, but, but all the disciples. And he just says, pray that you won't enter temptation. And then we find that Jesus goes and he prays. And uh, we'll read two of the verses that, um, that Jesus, that describe this prayer. But Jesus prays twice. He, he prays. And uh, let's, let's just look at that. Luke twenty two forty two, He says, Father, if you're willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then he goes on and he prays a second time. He prays the same thing. It says this in verse 44. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You know, Jesus um, is about to take the sins of mankind, and he's praying, God, if there is any other way, let this cup pass. It's amazing how some people have a perspective that, that maybe there's a lot of different ways to get to heaven. And I would just say, if there was another way, um, at that moment, God would have said, no, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. But Jesus says, nevertheless, uh, not my will, but, but your will be done. We find out at this time the disciples are sleeping. And then uh, in that Garden of Gethsemane, um, Jesus is betrayed. Uh, just right at that, at that moment, crowds show up with Judas, the chief priests, the officers. And they come and they arrest Jesus. And even as Jesus is being arrested, he shows that he's in charge. He, he asks them, and this is recorded in the Gospel of John. He says, who do you seek? And when they say, we're looking for Jesus, he says, I am he. And the moment he says that, the entire crowd just falls on the ground. And then Jesus says, again, I ask you, who do you seek? And, um, and so he, he willingly hands himself over and demands that they allow his disciples to go. And then Jesus is going to go. He's going to face an illegal trial. 
He's going to be beaten. He's going to be nailed to a cross. And he is on that cross going to die. And he is going to pay the price for the sins of mankind. Listen to how Isaiah describes this. Look at verse 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And here we find that the, the great tragedy, the great difficulty, the great trial of the cross is not what Jesus went through physically. You know, I've heard um, uh, many people say things like, oh, this is just my cross to bear. Uh, this is just my trial in life. And, and we use that as a term for suffering or difficulty. But the cross was so much more. It is infinite what Jesus went through on the cross. It cannot be compared with anything else. Now, when you look at what, what happened to Jesus physically, being beaten, being nailed to a cross, having that crown of thorns uh, pushed down onto his head, that was significant. That was major physical suffering. But it doesn't even come close to approaching what happened to Jesus on a spiritual level. It says this, verse 5 again, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. You know, um, the fact that God took the sins, the, the punishment for the sins of mankind and punished Jesus with that, Jesus couldn't have died if it weren't for the sins that were imputed to him because death comes from sin. And so Jesus took the sins of mankind. He took the infinite, eternal punishment. Um, the wrath of God for all of mankind was poured out on Jesus. And you know, we think about the religious leaders, we think about the people who physically did that, but the reality is Jesus went to the cross for the sins of every single one of us. It's not just the evil that happened in that day, it's the evil in your heart. It's the evil in my heart that put Jesus on the cross. And he willingly went there for us. It says this in verse 6. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one. You know, the Bible says that there is none righteous, not even one. Every one of us are responsible. We have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7 goes on. It says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shears is silent. He opened not his mouth. Uh, Jesus didn't defend himself. He wasn't trying to avoid this. He willingly laid down his life. You know, if you look at verse 11, um, we're just reminded again, verse 10 and 11, that, that this was God's doing. This was God's plan to save mankind. Look at verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Verse 11 says, Out of the anguish of his soul we shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. You know, this, this is similar to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, 
where it's just talking about the fact that we are made righteous because of Jesus. We are credited with his righteousness. He was credited with our sins. It goes on and it says in verse 11, and he shall bear their iniquities. Um, the amazing thing about the death of Christ is that it provides victory. Uh, Jesus won. He, he won our salvation. He, he won. He defeated death. He defeated Satan. And uh, we, we, as we look at verse 12 of Isaiah 53, it says, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He will divide the spoil among the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. transgressors. Isn't it amazing that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die and pay the price for our sins. The amazing thing about the cross is that it was complete. It completely satisfied God's demands for righteousness. There is nothing left for you and I to do. Jesus did it all. Uh, the only thing we can do is respond. We can respond in faith. And, and I want to just close by encouraging all of us to just think about what is our response. And, and for many of us, we will remember the day that we responded, the day that we put our faith in Christ. Um, John 1.11 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You know, I remember that day that, that I put my faith in Christ, that I trusted him to save me from my sins. Um, that, that's a decision that is so critical, and we're going to celebrate that. We're going to remember tonight what Jesus did. And I would just encourage you, as you think back, if you haven't had that day that you have trusted Christ, you're a sinner. You will answer to God for, for every one of your sins unless you trust Jesus, and you'll be forgiven, you'll be granted eternal life. And, and as believers, that's what we celebrate, the great day that changed our eternal destiny, the day Jesus died for us, and then the day that we received that. Let me uh, just pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song, and, and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let me, let me pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for what you've done in achieving our salvation, dying for us, paying the price for our sins. Lord, we struggle uh, so often, and uh, we've had plenty of sins in our past, and Lord, we're, we're going to have sins in our future. And yet you've died for us. You have paid the price for our sins. You are the sacrifice. And Lord, we know that, that this didn't just accidentally happen. It was described. You planned it from the very beginning because you love us. And Lord, I just want to thank you for that and ask that you would help us to just celebrate that, that we would remember this great, the best terrible day. And Lord, if there's anybody watching today that doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that you would open up their heart to put their faith in you. And so Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.